This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, February 19th. I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, town council to talk housing, med center, and parklets. County Poet Laureate program is expanding. Capital Conversation brings a bevy of bills and a mountain weather forecast. was Abe Lincoln who said, we must build a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. While today may be President's Day, tomorrow is town council, and the work of local governing continues at Rebecca Hall and on the Kodo Airwaves. As usual, Councilmember Geneva Shawnette stopped by the station to fill us in on tomorrow's agenda. Geneva, thank you for joining me for another G is for government. No problem. It looks like we actually won't really be seeing council much in the morning because they're going to do some business and executive session, um, which means it's not open to the public. What are what are y'all going to talk about before the meeting opens to the rest of us? Yes, we've got four morning executive session topics. Uh, the first is Diamond Ridge. We'll be discussing the legal matters that have been progressing um, on that. Uh, next, a discussion about the society turned Genesee property uh, situation contracts that's, go- that's also in process. Next, uh, wastewater authorities. And finally, we'll be doing our quarterly check-in with the town manager. Um, we do quarterly check-ins with the town manager and the uh, town attorney in executive session as a regular matter, of course. And then after that, around 1130, um, it will open to the public. And we've got a new face in town who you're going to meet with him. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, at 1130, our first work session is um, introduction of the new Telluride Regional Med Center Executive Director, Jeff Roberts. And we will be discussing loan agreement um, for the sort of cash loan that the town provided and just sort of catching up on that process, as well as welcoming Jeff to town. Uh, And then in the afternoon, we're going to be voting on a resolution clarifying some more rules about parklets. Nothing too major, mostly safety and functioning uh, adjustments. No no major changes there, just a couple housekeeping things. Cool. And then um, the Telluride Housing Authority will meet, which is sort of um, a different role for town council. Um, tell us a little bit about what is on the Housing Authority's agenda. Yeah, so the Telluride Housing Authority uh, is is a different board than Town Council, although it is made up of the same members as Town Council. And we will be considering a resolution to adopt a policy statement for if there's a situation where a household is found to be out of uh, compliance by uh, the community services director and their lease is not renewed, that they have a pathway to appeal that decision to another person or another board. The two options that are before us, one would be an appeal that which would allow a hearing in front of the uh, town manager, and the other option would be in front of the THA board. Um, so, yeah, that we'll be discussing that and create you know some more due process for folks living in rental housing. Awesome. Um, All right, Geneva, thank you so much for joining us and filling us in, and we'll see you tomorrow.
Sounds good. Thanks, Gavin. That was Geneva Shawnette previewing this Tuesday's town council meeting. San Miguel County named its first poet laureate back in 2006. Art Goodtimes, who has served as both a county commissioner and as our county laureate, was instrumental in getting the program running. He recalls at the time... As a commissioner, uh, I, I realized we had very little money at our disposal, and I wasn't sure that... Uh, Putting it to the arts at this point was the best use of our money, so I, I didn't attach any money to this. I made this an honorary kind of uh, position. Good time spoke before a work session of the county commissioners last week. He was joined by the current county laureate, Joanna Yonder. What brought them in? I think Joanna wants to extend the range of our, our scan for this program, perhaps make it a paid program, perhaps make it something that actually has a, a, a bigger energy than we've had. And so I would ask you, if you would, to extend her uh, term as Poet Laureate for the county for another year to give her an opportunity to work on this project. Yonder has served as the county's poet since January 2022. Though it may seem like a cruel question, why should the county poet now get paid? I think simply by funding this, you open up this position of power and voice to a much broader group of people. As I've been thinking about this, I've thought a lot about elders in our community who are amazing voices who probably would appreciate being paid if they were to be a public poet or, yeah, like Art mentions, it's been a pretty homogenous group of poets so far. Yonder adds she's not asking for the county to fork over the cash. She feels another year as laureate would give her time to find that money elsewhere. I think art's right. It's hard to find um, funding for the arts. And if you do it for one, you have to do it for everybody. But I think hopefully working with local arts organizations and private donors, we can pay poets because it's 2024. As an honorary role, the laureate here in San Miguel County more or less gets to chart their own course be a voice in the county however they see fit. Yonder's hope, she says, is to empower all the laureates who come after her to embrace the position. And certainly funding for those future poets would help. The laureate tradition has a long history, dating back to Italy in the Middle Ages. In England, the position was connected up with the monarchy. The U.S. adopted its first laureate in 1937. Back in 2006, when San Miguel County named its first poet, it was still relatively rare for a county, town, or community to have a poet of their own. As they look to expand the position, Good Times adds, San Miguel County has been a, one of the leaders in the state in doing this, so I'm really proud of that fact. Commissioners did not vote on the matter, as it was a work session and not an official meeting. But their enthusiasm for Yonder's work conveyed a clear message. She should count on another year as our community voice. It's the thick of the lawmaking season in Denver. State House reporter Lucas Brady Woods has the latest in this week's Capital Conversation. Lucas, welcome back to another Capital Conversation. Uh, we missed you last week. Yeah, happy to be back. Cool. So what are some of the key updates um, that you've been following? Well, um, gun bills, one of which uh, supporters of this bill want to increase gun safety training required to get concealed carry permit. It would specifically mandate live fire training under the uh, uh, 
supervision and instruction of a, of a teacher, of a trained um, firearms instructor. It would also uh, add some requirements around uh, safe gun storage and actually um, refresher training courses in order to renew those permits if you already have them. Um, and then a, another one that was introduced is would specifically, if it were to pass, it would ban both the possession and sale of assault weapons, which are, you know, high capacity, large caliber, semi-automatic guns. I also understand there were um, some sort of unexpected developments around uh, a sexual assault amendment um, that is being proposed. What are all the details on that? Yeah, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and, and this is uh, a proposal to basically give adult victims of childhood sexual assault their day in court. Um, you know, the measure sponsors want to change the state constitution to clear the way for victims, like, like I just mentioned, to sue after the statute of limitations has expired. But what is surprising is that uh, there's, there's some opposition, unexpected opposition to it. And really, it only got through committee on a party line vote with two Republicans, the only two Republicans on the committee voting against it, which, you know, with a constitutional amendment, you need at least two-thirds majority for it to pass the Senate. So, you know, opposition is not a good sign. Hmm, I guess so. Is there anything kind of specific to rural regions or uh, out here on the Western Slope that we should be um, flagging? Yeah, there, the Governor Polar's announced some new wildfire grant funding um, for, for local communities, and that, that's definitely, you know, something that comes in handy in this state. But uh, Polis announced an additional six and a half million dollars for it. And uh, the, the grant will go toward things like forest management, fuel mitigation and uh, projects around watershed. Cool. Um, so, so what's up? What's up ahead for the week and what's on your radar next? Actually, it's February and the first bills, you know, could get out of the General Assembly fairly soon. You know, we'll see the, some final votes on those as soon as tomorrow it looks like um so so i'll be watching those and you know on the other flip side we're still expecting more bills to be introduced so there's a lot going on and i'll keep you all updated that was KOTO's state house reporter lucas brady woods in denver The fifth stage of the Meadowlark lottery process is getting underway. The new workforce housing neighborhood in Mountain Village offers 29 for-sale units to local workers defined as anyone employed within the boundaries of the Telluride R1 school district. The town of Mountain Village, which is developing the neighborhood in partnership with a real estate group, estimates construction will be complete this fall. In this fifth round, five units are available, two one-bedroom and three three-bedroom. Most units have already been designated to house town staff, area essential workers, and staff at Mountain Village businesses. To participate in the lottery, interested folks must attend an open house tomorrow, Tuesday, February 20th at 5.30 p.m. at Town Hall. Those unable to attend should email housing at mtnvillage.org. More info is available at townofmountainvillage.com. Federal energy officials denied permits last week for a controversial hydropower project on the Navajo Nation in northern Arizona. 
KUNC's Alex Hager reports advocates are hailing the move as a win for tribes. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission said it would establish a new policy and will not allow projects on tribal lands if the tribe itself shows opposition. Adrian Herter with the nonprofit Tuanaja'ane says pushback from nearby residents played a big role. I think that was able to really help provide that, um, to strengthen that argument from the Navajo Nation Department of Justice regarding the lack of community consultation and consent. The Navajo Nation, as well as indigenous and conservation groups, said the project could have damaged important underground water supplies and sacred lands in an area already dealing with harms caused by decades of coal extraction. I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a cloudy night tonight with a low around 30 degrees. Tuesday, expect clouds with a stray snow shower possible and a high near 40. Tuesday night should be breezy and partly cloudy with a low around 30 degrees. Snow showers are possible Wednesday and Wednesday night with a high in the mid-30s and an overnight low around 20. This has been the news for Monday, February 19th. Thanks for listening. If you've got a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hello, San Miguel County. This is Anne Brown coming to you from the Coto Studios to announce with great enthusiasm my candidacy for the District 1 Commissioner position. I am the incumbent, having come to the job from my work in the Public Health Department, where I began to understand the importance of county government and see the countless ways it touches all of our lives. Plowing roads, replacing bridges, maintaining parks, trails, and the fairgrounds, providing free immunizations and birth control, inspecting restaurants and building sites, managing the natural resources within these glorious 1,289 square miles of landscape we call home. Leading the people who deliver these essential services is an honor and a responsibility I take seriously. Leading the residents of San Miguel County is also an honor and a responsibility I take seriously. Conservatives, progressives, skiers, ranchers, U.S.-born, immigrants, old-timers, and more recent arrivals, all in our diverse community love this place with our hearts and souls, and it is all in our community whom I serve. I've lived full-time in the county since 1989, so I bring 35 years of lived experience in both District 1 and District 2, and a growing understanding of District 3. While raising my family in Telluride, I worked full-time in the market research industry, where I honed my natural ability to listen carefully, consider all points of view, draw clear insights, and then make actionable recommendations on varied topics. With my passions for deep questioning and clear understanding, I'm known as a level-headed decision maker. These are the essential skills for a county commissioner's work. I'm a relationship builder and a connector, qualities I've drawn upon as commissioner to direct residents to needed resources and to help build and strengthen local organizations. These skills are essential beyond the functions of the county, and I have applied them to develop working relationships with regional governments, county commissioners across Colorado, as well as state and federal officials. I hope you agree that I'm the right person to continue in this job. To do that, I will need your support and ultimately your vote. First, at the Democratic Party Caucus on March 9th, again at the June 25th primary, and finally on Election Day, November 5th. If you have questions or thoughts along the way, I invite you to reach out by calling me at 970 
729-2491 or emailing annforall.ofsmc at gmail.com. Naturally, you'll be hearing more from me as well. Thank you. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.